You're listening to the Digital Forensics Files podcast with your host, Tyler Hatch from DFI Forensics. Hey everyone, welcome to episode four of the Digital Forensics Files podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Hatch of DFI Forensics. Today I'm joined by a very special guest, a friend of mine. He is a financial advisor. He is a vegan. He is Justin Manning, the vegan financial advisor. Check him out at www.justinmanning.com. Justin, how are you doing? Excellent, Tyler. Thank you. This is my first podcast. Wonderful. Good to have you. Thank you. Let me uh, let me ask you just to introduce yourself and what you do and tell, tell people a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks for the platform. Thank you for the opportunity. So as you said, my name is Justin Manning. My website is justinmanning.com. Uh, I am indeed a vegan financial advisor. And what I do is I help families and businesses invest in themselves plus the environment. Good stuff. Must make you feel good. Absolutely. I love, I love that you have a thing that makes you unique in your in your field because there's a lot of people that do what you do. And I'm sure you know it's that personal connection that gets you um, noticed and gets you business. People want to do business with people that they like. And so I think it's cool you have that hook that you're, you're vegan. And um, so tell me how long have you been vegan? Uh, personally, I've been vegan for 10 years since 2010 around the Olympics. That's how I can remember. I know I forget what people call it. Uh, their vegan anniversary date. And a lot of vegans remember that specific day they went vegan and there's a certain name for it, but uh, I just know it was around the Olympics here in Vancouver. So about 10 years. Now your choice to go vegan, was that a moral choice? Was it a nutritional choice? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So that the, the, the choice for me was an evolution and it started when I ran my first and only marathon so far, full marathon in Anchorage, Alaska. And I came out of that race with a stress fracture in my lower leg and that sidelined me from all forms of exercise for 10 or 11 months. And in that period of time, I gained weight up until I weighed about 205 pounds. Wow. So because this is a podcast and people can't see, you're you're a gentleman of not diminutive stature, but you're a small guy and you're, you're a really fit guy. You are not 200 pounds. If I crossed you on the street, I would think you're a triathlete. You look very fit, but apparently you don't even work out. Uh, I haven't trained in a while. It's uh, it's uh, my my nutritional choices definitely keep me very very healthy at my ideal body weight of around 155 pounds. So when I ballooned up to 205, uh, that extra 50 pounds, the best way that I can articulate it for people listening out there is, and some people might resonate with this. It wasn't severe. I didn't. I wasn't obese. Nothing was overly difficult, but it was unnecessarily uncomfortable. Right. It's hard on the joints. It just, you're not healthy. You feel bad. It's just not a good way to be. So congratulations on getting your health and nutrition in order. That's awesome. Um, now, uh, one last thing on the the vegan thing. A lot of people have the perception that it's a really difficult nutritional plan to stick to. What do you think? I use a very simple flow chart. And that is, <laughs> does it come from an animal? Yes. Don't eat it. No. Eat it. Have fun. It's very simple. It's very easy. It's not as expensive as people think. I agree totally. And actually, we've had this conversation. You flow charted me about 10 days ago, and I've been plant-based ever since. It's actually really easy, and it leads to healthy choices if you want to stick to it. So it's great. Now, let's talk about your profession. So you're a financial advisor. How long have you been doing that, and what made you get into the field? I've been a financial advisor since 2016. I got my insurance license in 2016 and my investment license in 2018. So uh, what got me into it was meeting my wife, believe it or not. Uh, my previous career was in health and fitness. 
And it was more of a hobby. And once I met my wife, I realized, wow, I'm going to have a family. I'm going to have kids. Where am I going to be when I'm 60 years old? And I looked around at what I wanted to do at that point in my life. And I made a pivot to financial services. And contrary to a lot of the industry, no friends, no family in this industry, uh, brand new and fresh to me. And uh, what made me choose this was, you know, it aligned very similarly to what I previously did, which was being an entrepreneur and helping people and taking advantage of people's health and wellness. Right. Right. I love it. I'm, I'm very similar in our occupation. I try to help people. And if you can do something that you enjoy, if you can provide value to people and help them, it's a really satisfying thing. And I know that's how you and I connected when I first met you a, a few months ago and we were networking amongst the, the location here in Langley. So very cool. Um, now, just to bring it back into my world a little bit, which is technology, tell us a little bit about how a financial advisor uses technology uh, in their day-to-day -day work. Yes, the insurance industry and the investment industry is one of the oldest, most archaically run industries when it comes to the applications of tech. And we've been making strides since I entered the industry back in 2016, stride over stride year after year for myself personally. Uh, there's a few different things. Uh, there's a service called Advisor Stream. Uh, this is a paid service that I pay for on a monthly basis that allows me to uh, generate uh, copyrighted, curated content from the largest, pu largest publishers around the world on content that I feel would be valuable and relevant for my market. So that's one uh, piece of tech that I use. I love Advisor Stream. You showed me that the last time we met, and I think it's brilliant. I wish there was something for more fields specifically mine because I would use it. It's awesome. Uh, great way to get content out there for people. Uh, it's super easy to use. And I would, yeah, I would, I would subscribe to that service. It's really effective. And for entrepreneurs, it allows you to spend more time focusing on what's important, which is your business. Absolutely. Absolutely. And speaking of that, uh, my customer rela uh, relationship uh, management tool, my CRM is uh, a partner that I've partnered with throughout of Toronto. They are called Fineo. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a CRM does, it allows me to really make sure that from the moment I meet somebody to being a lifelong client, uh, all of the data and all of the information and all the conversations are stored in one place. And that allows me to really feel like I provide a, a exceeding expectations when it comes to customer service. Yeah, that's awesome. Those tools are so important. That's great. Um, now, in terms of security, you guys you intake a lot of personal information from your clients when they're filling out applications for health insurance. So you're getting all the, the pedigree information, which are, I imagine you stop short at social insurance numbers, but all the um, age, um, addresses, income, all of those things. How does, is there a sense that that kind of information is under attack at all? And how do you protect it from those attacks? A sense of it being under attack, I, you know, in my experience, I have not been in the office with anybody who has experienced that. I myself has, have not experienced uh, any attacks on that information. Um, you're right. We do. Cl our client files need to be clean. Uh, I'm the type of advisor that keeps the minimal amount of content inside that client file as possible. Good job. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much. And um, the applications that we do with the uh, insurance or investment companies, they tend to house the actual applications uh, and upload it onto their system. And furthermore, how we advisors protect ourselves is, of course, with our errors and omissions insurance and our day-to-day -day practices of how we keep a hold of that information. But uh, I'm very happy we're having this conversation and continuing to have conversations to figure out how I can 
again, differentiate myself from a protection standpoint because it means something to the people that I deal with. Right. Well, it sure certainly does. And um, it's just something we have to keep talking about and raise awareness and make people aware because from what I see, it's still a lot of human error that's happening. So it's a lot of phishing attacks are causing a lot of these problems, which means that people are clicking on emails that are disguised to be legitimate and they're opening them. And it's happening so much because they're so well faked. They're very sophisticated attacks. Um, have you experienced any kind of phishing emails from time to time, personally or professionally? I have in the past with uh, one of the uh, largest firms that I was with for, for the first two years of my career. And what would happen in that model and same here at my brokerage is if there is a sus suspicious email going around, we will get an email sort of from head office saying, you know, keep an eye on this, excellent. keep an eye on that. Yeah, that's excellent. Glad to know there's good practices. Hey, Justin, thanks for joining me. It was really interesting to talk to you. Thanks for um, joining me on the podcast today. Thank you so much.